Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade! No, I don't want to start the narration. I haven't been feeling very appreciated lately, especially after that last episode. Just remember, without me, you get Godfrey. (laughs) Why, yes, I would appreciate a raise. See, was that so hard? There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go-getter reporter for the Chicago Gazette-Times-Herald. But by night, he becomes The Shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, He, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in this week's episode... We haberdasher intrigue. And considering the complete mind-bending roller coaster the last episode was, it's no surprise that we have a new sponsor this week. To be honest, I'm not sure what the problem with nitronol headache pills was. But let's just play the odds and assume there was one. So, for now, please join me in welcoming our new sponsor. Norman's Hot Dogs, brought to you by the fine folks who gave you Mr. Mitten's Meow Munch. Now, enjoy their full line of sausages. Norman's Hot Dogs. Enjoy it, but don't ask where it came from. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since... Look. At this point in history, does time really mean anything anymore? Previously on Throwing Shade. Which reminds me, we should do a western. And now, on to our story. Act 1, Scene 1. The Jellystone Caper. Chicago's streets see a very unusual tourist. It had been several weeks since shame had made any major moves in Chicago, and the city was enjoying a period of relative peace. Well, 
They kind of showed up on the stakeout with the actors, but that was really just the lieutenant looking for a place to sleep. He didn't cause any embarrassing activity. But the only thing embarrassing was hearing Melvin insist to be called the masked marauder. Anyways, it was then that a beautiful, sunny Saturday afternoon saw Police Chief Cannoli and his family enjoying an afternoon off at the Lincoln Park Zoo. This okay, what you talking to me about? It is is sleeping. I don't know why we took the baby to the zoo anyhow. It's not like he cares about the animals. He sees them, he likes them, and it's good for him to be cultured. So give him some yogurt. No one needs your sarcasm, Christopher. Or your pants. And it don't matter if he can't see the animals. He's just so cute. We gotta show him off. That's true. People love to see the little bambinos. I'm still your favorite though, right, Mom? Oh, you know I don't have favorites. Not even my carino little sweetie pants bambino ennio. How? He doesn't even talk. Look, if you're going to answer your own questions... Dad, Bella's being weird again. I ain't being weird. I'm just trying to talk to the peacock. You are a peacock. Grazie. Why are you thanking me? You said I'm a peacock. You think I'm sleek and beautiful. No, I think you're a bird brain. Mom! Antonio, Gianni, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, Raffaele. Before Carmela could finish her threat or her son's name, a loud cry of distress was heard throughout the zoo. Ah! What was that? Pretty sure it was ah! It sounded like a loud cry of distress. I better go see what's wrong. Carlo, it's your day off. Let someone else go. The zoo has security. No, he's got to catch the bad guys. You go, Dad. I'll handle things here. You make me proud, Antonio. Watch your mother and your siblings, especially little Ennio. You got it, Dad. If I'm not back soon, I'll see you for dinner tonight. All right, you heard him. I'm the man of the house now. Why are you standing at all of us? Dad told me to watch you all. As Chief Cannoli left his family to their squabbles, he crossed the zoo to find that quite a commotion had arisen outside of the monkey house. A large figure in a trench coat and fedora held a woman in its broad arms. Help! Somebody help me! This monster has got me! Chief Cannoli pushed through the crowd, springing to the rescue. Move out of the way! All right, mister, let a lady go! The figure stood still, giving only a growl as Cannoli approached. Now, now, mister, that's no way to treat a lady. You let her go and we won't have any more trouble. That's it. You are coming with me. Chief Cannoli rushed the figure and put a handcuff on its massive hand. Confused, he looked up to face his perpetrator. 
only to find himself face to face with an intimidating six-two quarter-ton grizzly bear. Oh, my! Bobo was soon coaxed back to his cage by zookeepers bearing picnic baskets. Meanwhile, Chief Cannoli left for police headquarters. There, he relayed the story to officers Ponch and John, who were just as shocked by the tale as Chief Cannoli had been. Chief, I'm shocked. I am too. That's what I said. Shocked. To think, Bobo the Bear, a beloved Chicago icon, caught manhandling a woman. Wouldn't that be bear handling? No, no, that's what the zookeepers do. They're bear handlers. Oh, right. Well, they certainly weren't handling Bobo very well if he was out of his cage manhandling a woman. You know, you're right. Bear handling sounds better. Do bears even have hands? What else would they have? Paws. Are you saying the term should be bear pawing? Nah, that's just ridiculous. Chief, you okay? You've been really quiet. Yeah, that's really not like you. I'm alright. I'm just thinking. Oh dear. That can be dangerous. What were you thinking about, Chief? Well, it's very important, and I've been giving it a lot of thought, but I think I've finally made a decision. It's gotta be bare pawing, because they gotta know thumbs. Right. Thumbs. Shoulda remembered the thumbs. Pardon me, Chief Canoli. Puttanesca! Who are you? So sorry to startle you. I'm Edwin Grood. I was sent by the superintendent to help you with your public relations. Hey, watch your mouth. I ain't got none of those. Yeah, the chief here is happily married. Well, married, anyway. No, no. I mean, how you interact and communicate with the public. Specifically, I'm a speechwriter. And I think you need to call a press conference. You need to let people know your position on these things. His position on bears? I don't think that you need... The people have experienced something terrifying. Something that has rocked the very pillars of a well-run and stable society. They have? They have? I don't think that's true. The bear was standing still, not rocking at all. And he wasn't on an pillar. Either as it may, this is the type of incident that the public needs to know you are handling and are going to deal with in the most effective way possible. He is? I am? I mean, I am. Call a press conference. I got something to say. What do I have to say? Don't worry, I'll write it for you. Trust me, Chief Cannoli, you're doing the right thing. This will do wonders for your image. How's a speech going to make him better looking? This is why you never get promoted. Act 1, Scene 2, The Blame Game Chief Cannoli raises concerns over ursine guilt, and Theo and Wednesday get a little help from little friends. Later that day, the reporters of the city gathered for a rushed press conference to hear what they had been told would be a new, important statement from Police Chief Cannoli. 
Ladies and gentlemen of the press. And the puddles. Did he just... Huh. I always knew I liked him. Shouldn't it just be lady and gentleman? I mean, you're the only woman here. Hush. He mentioned me before the dog. Let me have my victory. I called you all here to tell you that earlier today, an arrest was made on a beloved Chicago icon. Did he arrest Maya Crane? <laughs> Impossible. He said beloved. I have prepared a statement. Prepared? Since when does Chief Cannoli prepare? Don't ask me. I'm still swooning over ladies and gentlemen. Today's incident was just another in a long line of unsettling occurrences that have erupted this city. Not really erupted. That's just a smiley. Do you mean simile? Oh, yes. Scusi. That have erupted this simile. Apparently, being prepared doesn't really make much difference. I am, of course, talking about Bobo. The, the bear? bear? Yes, a Bobo the bear was arrested earlier for bear pawn a woman and resisting arrest. Now, understand that I thought about it is very long and hard before, and it's got to be a bear pawing and not a man handling because he got no thumbs. Chief Cannoli, even if Bobo did these things, he wouldn't know if what he was doing was wrong. Oh, he knows. They all know. Dare I ask? I think you have to. Who's they, Chief? The animals. They all know what they're doing. Oh, dear. They all know right from wrong. The dog knows when he bites at a postman, he is being the bad doggy. Oh. Sorry, Paddles, but it has to be said. And what about the birds, huh? They make the messes on the statues. They face in public property. That's what it is. Chief Canola, you can't seriously be suggesting. The time is a long past due for these beastly criminals to pay for their crimes. This police force is lowering the broom on all of the animal crimes. Theo and Wednesday stood in stunned silence, too in shock to even think about correcting Chief Canola's idiom. That's boom, Chief. Lower the boom. That don't make no sense. It's a broom, because we got to sweep all of the criminals out of the city. We lower the broom on them. Why did I have to ask? From the pigeons to the pups, everyone better be on their best behavior from now on. Thank you for coming today. I feel so much better getting that off of my chest. And believe me, the city will be better for it. As Chief Cannoli headed back into the police station, not a single reporter asked a question or snapped a photo. Rather, they all slowly dispersed, trying to process what Chief Cannoli had just decreed. Did he just... Oh, dear. He's gonna be... Oh, dear. Pigeons? Oh, dear. At that moment... Four young children ran up to Theo and Wednesday, pulling them from the confused stupor left by Chief Cannoli. Mr. Rockwell, Miss Morning, we got a big lead for you. Oh, good, the children. Someone who might finally make some sense. We was all hanging out. Hey, I'm telling the story. It's my story. I was on a date with my girlfriend. Not your girlfriend. And we weren't on a date. We were on a school trip. 
You're telling me you kids actually did something school-related? On a weekend at that? Well, yeah. We like to go to school when there's a trip. Yeah, because that ain't actually that school. While I'm sure this will be a fascinating story when you get around to it, Miss Morning and I really have to be going. We need to go, um, talk some sense into a friend. We'll come back in a few hours. Maybe you'll have gotten to the point by then. Mr. Theo, I think you're going to want to hear this story first. My girlfriend's right. It's about that bear. I'm not your girl. And Bobo is technically a grizzly. You can tell by the pronounced shoulder hump, concave facial profile, and larger claws. Semolina, how many times I gotta tell you, just because we go on a school trip don't mean you have to learn stuff? I can't help it, my mind's a sponge. Yeah, you're all wet. Wait, did you see something? Yeah, we just came from the zoo. Why didn't you say that in the first place? We were trying to. You just weren't listening. Typical. Tell me about it. Well, we're certainly listening now. Go on. What did you see? We were looking at the monkey house. It's my favorite place. It sort of reminds me of home. Everybody's screaming and throwing things. <sighs> Anyways, we was hanging out there and we saw some really funkin' looking fellows. And not a good funky either. They went over to the bear section, opened Bobo's cage, and just let him out. And they dressed him up, and then they left. Wait, are you saying someone did this and framed Bobo? What? Did you think the grizzly did it himself? Absolutely not. No logical person would. He definitely did. Grown-ups. What did the men look like? Don't ask me. I know they looked weird, but... I don't know what it is that they was wearing. All grown-ups look alike to me. I was just looking at the bear. <sighs> I know what they were wearing. My mother only lets me read the news if it has to do with fashion. I don't get to read much news. Finally, Carla's being a girl is useful. Hey, I will have you know Carla is very useful and a mighty fine dame. Who still doesn't need you to defend her honor. But thanks. Anyways, the one guy was in these pink shoes and a bright orange pair of pants. That doesn't seem like a good combination. I guess you just have to give it half a chance. And the other was in tan shoes with pink shoelaces, a polka dot vest. Man, oh man. And he had a big purple hat on. Those sound like hideous outfits. Only someone with no shame would wear them. <gasps> or someone with a lot of shame, if you get my meaning. <gasps> Theo, you're right. We've got to tell Mayor Crane. And maybe the police? Well, I think Chief Cannoli has enough to worry about for the time being. Oh, fair point. What's wrong with Chief Cannoli? It's better if you don't know, kid. Some things just can't be explained. <laughs> Act 1, Scene 3. To speech, perchance to dream. Mayor Crane attempts damage control. Theo and Wednesday left their pint-sized informants and headed to City Hall, where Mayor Crane and Rosa were already dealing with the repercussions of Chief Cannoli's animal accusations. Hello! You're with the public for equitable transactions towards animals. 
No, no, I can assure you, we are not pursuing animal arrests at this time in Chicago. Hola, mayor's office. No, he is busy. Can I take a message? On a second thought, I don't think I should say that to him. I like my job too much. Mr. Mayor, I know you are practicing listening to your people. Yes, Rosa. You taught me how valuable that is. Normally it is, but can we not listen to them for a bit? Rosa, are you suggesting we... Take the phone off the hook, please. I am losing my mind. Oh, very well. Do it. Hola. The mayor is out. Adios. Finally, I can hear myself think. I'm not sure how the mayor's going to get himself out of this one. You know, I can hear you think, too. No, Rosa. That isn't me. That's... Mayor Crane, have we got important news for you? Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday morning. Of course, Rosa, let them in. Joking, come in. Rosa, I could have done that. So now you know for the next time. Thank you, Mayor. We have some very important information for you. It better be important. I've had phone calls from more animal rights groups than you can swing a cat at. <gasps> if that's what you're up to, I'm not letting you anywhere near my Fernando. You might want to rethink that phrasing. By the way, Rosa, I've heard that Mr. Mitten's Meow Munch is back in stock. Really? That's good to hear. Fernando is so picky with his food. Yes, well, I've heard that... Well, I hate to interrupt, but I do have several issues to deal with that are significantly more important than the idle gossip of women. Excuse me? Idle gossip? I happen to have vi... Mayor Crane, I can assure you we have very important news, so I think you'll want to listen to... Your speech, Mayor Crane. (laughs) Who is that? Uh, my new speechwriter, Edgar Allen. He's on loan from the state capitol. The governor very kindly sent him over last week, and thank goodness he did. I want to avoid getting into the same mess as Chief Cannoli. I say, Edgar, don't sneak in like that. We were discussing something very important. Clearly not that important. My apologies, Mayor Crane. I will wait until the woman is talking next time. I'm sorry. Are you insulting the one with the 40-pound typewriter? I could deck you, you little string bean. Now, Wednesday, don't hurt the nice speechwriter. He is not nice. The little pencil net. Miss Morning, I do apologize for the interruption, but I really must handle this now. You can fill me in on all your very important gossip later. Rosa? 
call a press conference. I don't want to. Excuse me? Why not? You do it yourself. I have to go gossip with Miercules. Who? Me. See, we have much to idly chit-chat about. Maybe get our nails done. Look, I'm sorry I said idle gossip of women or whatever it was. I don't know, Rosa. What do you think? I think he'd be a lot more sincere without the or whatever. Ladies, please. I have enough issues right now. I don't need the suffragettes after me as well. Rosa, can you please use your ever-competent skills and call me a press conference? Okay. Jora press conference. Oh, good one, Rosa. Gracias. Is it just me, Miss Morning, or are the mayor and Rosa approaching the same level of witty repartee you and I enjoy? Perish the thought. <laughs> please, make sure everyone gathers on the steps of City Hall. Now, please, show everyone out. Okay, there's the door. Out you go. Rosa, I could have done that. So now you'll know for next time. Rosa called a press conference. Here, press conference. Later that evening, reporters gathered outside City Hall to hear how Mayor Crane was going to defuse the tense situation that Chief Cannoli had created. I wonder how Mayor Crane is going to defuse the tense situation. Frankly, I don't care. He's lost my favor. Come now. Crane has never exactly been known for his tolerance and politeness. No, but I was starting like him, and you weren't helping things. Me? What did I do? You cut me off. Well, I was just trying to help. Next time, try doing it with your mouth shut. Hey. Mayor Crane mounted the steps, his freshly written speech in hand. Ladies and gentlemen of the press. <laughs> what, no praise for him? You said it was a victory with cannoli. This isn't victory. It's pandering. He's just doing it to win my favor. And it's only working. A little. Esteemed colleagues... I am here to dispel any rumors of an animal incarceration system. Chicago is not pursuing animal arrests at this time, nor will we be in the foreseeable future. Well, that's certainly a relief to hear. After all, we know that animals do not have the same moral compasses as we humans do. Instead of prosecuting the animals for their wrongdoings, we will be looking into the ones controlling them. By this, of course, I mean aliens. You don't think... Aliens from outer space have come and taken over our animals. They will lead the animals in an uprising against our governments and way of life as we... Mayor Crane, are you seriously suggesting that little green men are controlling our animals? No, absolutely not. What I meant was... Um... The city's gone bonkers. Just wait until my readers hear about this. No, 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 I beg you. Wait, we need to ask a lot more. They found out about us. Mayor Crane has an important call. He won't be back. Thank you for coming. Adios.
Rosa hurried the mayor back into City Hall, leaving Theo and Wednesday to ponder what had just happened. Wednesday, are you thinking what I'm thinking? That karma is sweet? What? No. Oh, then clearly not. What is it you were thinking? That speech was highly embarrassing. Indeed it was. You remember Crane's new speechwriter? The one I almost threw out the window? The very same. What about him? I think he's shame. We'll return to throwing shade. We haberdasher intrigue in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, are you looking for a filling? yet inexpensive treat? Do you love quality hot dogs, yet hate the premium price tag? Then despair no more. Norman's Hot Dogs are the budget solution to great tasting frankfurters. Get all the taste and experience of a sidewalk hot dog vendor right in your very own home. Worried about quality? Don't be. Norman's hot dogs are made with 100% all-natural fillers. That's right. We know we're living in a waste-not-want-not country right now, so Norman's wastes nothing. Any part of the animal that's in the least bit edible is pressed into our hot dogs, meaning you get a meal that's crammed full of unique taste. And since we don't use any of those elite cuts of meat, we can pass along those savings to you. So, run out and get yourself some Norman's hot dogs now. Norman's. You can eat them. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1. A Shameful Display. Mayor Crane reaches a point of desperation. As the crowd from the press conference dispersed, Theo and Wednesday rushed into City Hall to inform Mayor Crane of their discovery. Mayor Crane, we have some extremely important information for you. And you better listen this time. I don't think I have a choice. We have very good reason to believe that you are being set up by shame. The shade is setting me up. No, not shade. Shame. Shame? What do you mean? I don't think he knows what that is. Yeah, it sounds about right. You haven't heard of shame? Of course I've heard of shame. I've just never felt it. Uh, No, not the emotion shame. Shame. Repeating it isn't going to help. He means the Society for Highly Awkward Mass Evility. How is being awkward evil? Look, don't blame me. I didn't make it up. I just work with what I got. Fair enough. You seriously haven't heard of shame? Don't you read the papers? Or my summaries I wrote for you about them? Ah, yes. Now that you mention it, I did see that in your summaries. But I didn't know that we had a secret, awkward society around, so I just assumed shame was some Spanish colloquialism I didn't understand. I bendito. Yes, just like that. 
You were complaining about the police not being able to catch them just a few weeks ago. Rosa, the number one rule of being an honest politician is that you have absolutely no short-term memory. How does that make you honest? That way you can claim not to recall anything you said and not be lying. Mayor Crane, shame is proving to have quite a presence. I think you should take them seriously. Are you saying that these pranksters set up everything today? That's right. How did they know Chief Cannoli was at the zoo? You have met his family, right? They don't exactly scream low profile. No, but they scream everything else. You can't be giving her points for that one. I don't think that's even an original joke. Maybe not, but she's so adorable. She's right. I am. We've already got a lead on the bear business. Now we just need to look into the speechwriters. Chief Canole said his speechwriter was sent to him by City Hall. Believe me, if I had a speechwriter available for Canole, I would have sent him years ago. I called the governor. He never sent us a speechwriter either. That settles it. You were both definitely set up. Wonderful. Now what do we do? You know my opponent, Eugene Gompers Crookshank, will use this to his advantage. Don't worry, Mayor. The truth will out. Come on, Wednesday. Let's go. Rosa, as much as I hate to admit it, I believe I'm in over my head here. No, you're not. You're standing here with nothing over your head. Not even a hat. No, I mean I think I need help. See, a hat would help your hair. No, not from a hat. From the shade in the vamp. Okay, I didn't hear you. The shade in the vamp? No, sorry, didn't get that. I need the shade and the vamp's help. What was that? Rosa, are you sure you don't work for this embarrassment syndicate? No, I do this for para gratis. Careful, or you'll be doing more things para gratis. Oh, that phrase you learn. I joke, I joke. You said you need the shade and the vamp? Yes. Do you know how to get in touch with them? Just leave your window closed. They will be here soon enough. Somehow, I don't think that will be the most efficient way to attract them. If only we had a, some kind of signal. I don't think we need a giant beacon to summon our vigilantes. I don't know. They might come if they smell bacon. I'm ignoring that. Gracias. Why don't you just send Mr. Rockwell a note saying we want the shade and the vamp's help? Why Mr. Rockwell? He always seems to be able to contact them. See, that is true. Strange. Act 2, Scene 2. International Affairs. The Shade and the Vamp receive potentially unwanted assistance.
Later that evening, the Shade and the Vamp set out, needing to figure out what was coming next, much like our writers do. With him, the Shade had oh with him, the Shade had a note from the mayor. Vamp, I have a note with me. I see that, Shade. You really don't have to give exposition. Thank you. I tell you, these people are trying to steal my job. Who is it from? Oh, so now you want me to tell you things. Oh, just give it to me. Mr. Rockwell, please inform the Shade and the Vamp that I am requesting their help. This does not mean that I like them or trust them anymore. I merely find myself forced to deal with sneaky, underhanded people, and they are experts in that field. Reluctantly yours, Mayor Crane. He really is mastering the backhanded compliment, isn't he? I'd be blushing under this mask if I weren't so insulted. So he wants our help. Well, that's great, but I still don't see what we're going to do. We have to figure out who this C.H. Robertson that Karei told us about is. The vamp makes a good point. Ah! Do keep it down. We're trying to be stealthy here, are we not? Of course we are. Where did you come from, Flemish? Born in Germany, raised in England. I meant, why are you here? Oh, I was just out doing some surveillance of my own. Were you investigating Shane? No, no. I was talking with a charming female bartender, a Miss Marie from New Orleans. Then what were you surveilling? Plenty, my dear fellow. I even got to see the French quarters. Moving on. That doesn't explain why you're on the roof. Actually, it does. I had to make a quick exit out the window. So dashing, so debonair, so dumb. On the contrary, a dumb man would have gotten caught. Are we calling Ian dumb? Because I cannot be missing that. Ah! Had enough! Flemish, do not act so surprised. It is undignified, even for you. What are you doing here with people of the shadows? I was visiting a colleague. Typical. I am surprised you got out with your dignity. Or your pants. So, Natasha, what brings you to the roof? I am taking nightly stroll. I like to be walking on the roof. Adds element of danger. Sounds logical to me. It would. Now, what is it we are plotting? It seems that shame has made Police Chief Cannoli and Mayor Crane their most recent targets. Ah, yes, I've seen. Talking about spacemen arresting a bear. All quite lowbrow, but I suppose one could see the humor. In Soviet Russia, bear arrests you. (laughs) What does that even mean? It's better if you don't ask, old chap. The thing is, the events seem random and isolated. We're not sure where they're going to strike next. If they're after the mayor, then I know where they'll strike next. The gala. What gala? The haberdasher's gala, of course. Flemish, stop making up words. I'm not making up anything. A gala is a party, and a haberdasher is... A racing rabbit, of course. Oh, Shade, you're lucky you're cute. I'm sorry, what? Nothing.
No, it's one who throws peppers against rocks. Excuse me. A habanero desher. Isn't there a punishment for puns that bad in Soviet Russia? Some things are worth a gulag. I think we're missing the point here. The vamp said I was cute. Let it go. It was an accident. Certainly won't happen again. No. A haberdasher must be... Menswear. What? They make hats and ties and other accoutrements. Oh. That is much less interesting than my explanation. Quite. If you're looking for a big finale for shame's foul deeds, the haberdasher gala this Saturday evening is the only logical conclusion. As much as I hate to admit it, Ian's right. The haberdasher's gala is the biggest social event of the year. It's well known that any public figure who does well there is almost a shoo-in for the mayorship. Are you serious? Why haven't I heard of this? Perhaps it's the company you keep, my dear. But what does this have to do with Mayor Crane? It's well known that the incumbent mayor always makes a speech at the Haberdasher's Gala. If this gallery is so important to who wins the election, then Ian and Shavyman are right. It's perfect place for shame to strike next. Can I then assume you'd like my help in infiltrating the gala? I don't know that we need help with this. I do have a standing invitation to these sorts of things. They let you in, but do not let you sit down? No, it means I'm always welcome. How can we say no to that? Easily. Don't be jealous of the handsome British spy. We'd love your help, Ian. Splendid. I'll get my gala suit ready. Two, scene three. The cuts are too quick. If this was a visual medium, it would be a montage. As the Shade, Vamp, Ian, and Natasha prepare to somehow infiltrate the Haberdasher's Gala and stop C.H. Robertson, whoever that was, Mayor Crane continued to have his issues with the public. Nothing he did turned out the way he hoped. First, there was the photo op that his new public relations man, Eddie Green, set up so the mayor could be seen shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, what are you doing? Exactly what's in the notes Eddie gave me. Ay, Dios mío, it's the other way around. Then there was the incident that occurred when Eddie's replacement, Edmund Shillery, suggested that the mayor do a promotion highlighting local business, Norman's Hot Dogs. May I say that Norman's Hot Dogs is just the kind of small business that makes this the greatest city in the world. And it's the kind of small business that I and my administration will always support. Now, please let me have one of those tasty hot dogs with everything. You want ketchup? Make sure to ask for one with everything. Well, that would include ketchup, I suppose. Yes, of course. <gasps> <sighs> 
Mr. Mayor, what have you done? Vamanos! Why would he ask if I wanted it if he's not going to put it on the hot dog? But nothing compared to what happened when his newest public relations officer, a woman with surprisingly broad shoulders named Edwina Mounsflattened, suggested he celebrate Chicago's birthday in a most unusual way. Crane's poll numbers are shrinking. Yeah, he better pull out something big. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to... (gasps) 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 Mr. Mayor, what are you doing? Exactly what Edwina told me to. See? Here's her note. I better supposed to say for the birthday wear a suit. I did think it was a bit drafty. Let's get you a towel. Mayor Crane was utterly humiliated, and his popularity was at an all-time low. And there was only one person he could think of that would treat him so badly. Rosa! You bellowed, Mr. Mayor? Yes. I want you to set up a very public meeting between me and Eugene Gompers Crookshank. Right away, Mr. Wait, are you sure that's a good idea? He is very popular right now, and maybe you should stay out of the public eye for a while. I know he's behind this. I will not sit idly by while he and his shame minions make a laughingstock of me. He will answer for these actions. And so, on the steps of City Hall... All right, Crookshank. Admit it. You're behind these attempts to make me look foolish. Believe me, Mr. Mayor. You don't need my help to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Admit it, Crookshank. You're part of this shame organization, and you're trying to make me look bad so you can win the election. You mean that same organization that humiliated me on these very steps? It would seem to me that you're doing this to yourself in order to garner sympathy and help shore up a losing campaign. I would never- It is well known shame acts against those who are left-leaning and progressive, and I think we can all agree that neither of those phrases apply to you. I will remind you that it was I who pushed for an increase in city funding for homeless shelters and food pantries. Yes, yes. I, oh, yeah, that's, that's actually quite right. right. yeah, yeah. On the ropes, Mayor Crane reached into his pocket for his notes, given to him by his newest campaign aide, Ed Greasy. And, as you will see from these notes that I have... Oh, Please let Mr. Mayor have read those notes before he walked out here. Protege este tanto simismo. I will be undertaking a massive plan to deal with traffic issues in this city. Oh, and just how are you going to do that? Simple. Flying cars. Wait, what? No, he did not read them before he came out here. 
flying cars. What, for all those aliens that are taking over our animals? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, you see... Perhaps you'd like to give the animals pilot license so they can work as chauffeurs. (laughs) I say, there's no reason I will say one thing, Mayor Crane. You are an incredibly talented man. Well, it's about time. I don't know anyone else who can talk so loudly with both feet in his mouth. <laughs> All right, thank you all for coming. The mayor is very busy now and he must be going. Stand back, everyone. Mayor Crane is about to take off. <laughs> Safely back in his office, Mayor Crane slumped in his chair, defeated. Rosa, what am I going to do? Mr. Mayor, you still have your speech at the Hashbrown Gala this Saturday. Haberdasher. That's what I said. If you give a brilliant speech there, it will guarantee you win the election. It's true. As they say, as the haberdashers go, so goes Chicago. Who says that? The haberdashers, of course. Not. But how can I do that, Rosa? Every speechwriter I have has been a shill for shame. Perhaps, Mr. Mayor, you could write your own speech. What? You mean, I write them myself? See, use your own words instead of relying on the words of others. And you think that if I just say things the way I want to say them... That will help me win? Mr. Mayor, I'm your new campaign manager, Edmund Pillory. Rosa? See, Mr. Mayor? Get your broom. <gasps> Viva la escoba! Carga! Ah. Act 2, Scene 4, The Liner Diner. Our heroes hatch a plan. Finally. Later that day, Theo and Wednesday met Ian Flemish and Natasha Hadanov in a small diner on the north side. I do want to thank the two of you for meeting us. Miss Morning, what a pleasure to see you again. My day is now complete. Your stunning eyes, your flowing hair, your alluring neck string. You are everything a man such as myself could desire, Miss Morning. Oh, I... <laughs> I cannot believe such glopost is effective. Funny, I didn't see any adhesive. We wanted to keep you informed on our progress. Very loud Clements man insisted. I am sorry about his manners. Do not be. He is like Russian bear. Loud, abrasive, threatening. He makes you know you are alive. I suppose. What can I get you? Tell me, do you have borscht? Afraid not all. 
Farniki. Fresh out. Fish and chips. No chips, fries. Ooh, fries. Let's get fries to share. How big are they? Oh, about as long as a potato. No, I mean, how large is the serving? Oh, they come on a six-inch liner. What's that? It's like the thing under your coffee. A saucer? Yeah, but bigger. A plate. I guess, if you want to be technical, do you want fries or not? Please, one, um, liner should do fine. Thanks. Great. What about the rest of you? What is on special? We got hot dogs on special right now. Last time I had experience with Chicago hot dog, I ended up with pickle in my shoe. That sounds like a personal problem. I think I'd quite like to try one of your city's famed hot dogs. Are they any good? Nah, sure. They're more any than good. I want an authentic experience. Tell me more. We use Norman's hot dogs. They certainly put food in your stomach. I do believe that's the goal. Hold on. You can't just go eating anything. Are they all beef, pork, and chicken? You got it. What else is in them? Yep, that too. I don't quite... Look, you want them or not? What am I, a commercial? I'll take one, thank you. No problem, Mac. The name's Flemish. Ian Flemish. What was that? Don't ask. Uh-huh. I'll be right back with your fries and dogs. Wait! The rest of us didn't order. Too slow, hon. Well, someone's not getting a good tip. I know for a fact you never tip less than 30%. They could spit in your food and you'd still tip the bill. They work so hard. Miss Morning is simply too kind a soul to be bitter. Thank you, Ian. Any time, kitten. <laughs> no, Ian. <laughs> Seriously? Anyone else said that to you and they'd be tasting typewriter ribbon for a week. It's the accent. Oh, you. If I may get to point, Flemish and I have been doing a bit of digging. Oh, so you've taken up gardening. I do not know how you put up with him. In all honesty, that was a good one. What Natasha means is that we've investigated this C.H. Robertson. And? We have found nothing. We've come up empty as well. We are hoping to find out more information about him at the Haberdasher Gala. You think he'll be there? Considering how important that is to the mayor, there's no way he'll skip it. Now, I'll be working inside surveillance at the gala, while the Shade and the Vamp take a more covert approach. I insist on having job too. Maybe you could get in with Ian. I do have a plus one. Yet, absolutely not. Oh, why not? It would be fun, darling. I am not your darling, or your kitten, or your sweetheart. Suit yourself. How about you, Miss Morning? It would be the greatest honor if I could arrive with someone as beautiful and charming as you on my arm. <laughs> Here are your fries. I just lost my appetite.
Will Wednesday succumb to Ian's charms? <laughs> Will Rosa catch Edmund? How can she run so quickly in heels? Will Mayor Crane recover from his overexposure? My doctor assures me it was just a case of windburn. So not what I was referring to. Questions such as these will lay adjacent to the plot in next week's thrilling conclusion to Throwing Shade. We haberdasher intrigue. Here's a sneak listen to next week's episode. This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by Norman's Hot Dogs. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month. So support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. So there's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pong. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Hull, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hull. And I'm your narrator. Noel Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina, Tina Shalamani. Tune in next week. Same, 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 same time. Same, 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 same station. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pond. And I'm Jessica Lauren Fisher. You might remember us from such podcasts as... Well, this one. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our followers on Patreon, including Karen Osterman and Cassie Russell, Mike Drugan, Lori Iyer, and our newest member, Natividad Salgado. It's thanks to your support that the shade keeps running. And falling into manholes. Quiet you. But if you're scared of commitment, like some people I could mention... I have no idea what you're talking about. You can make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT. Which would be appreciated. Podcasting is a cold, lonely business. You have central heating and a Snuggie. You promise never to speak of the Snuggie. Anyway, thank you again for all your support. Say goodnight, Andrew. Goodnight, Andrew. Oh, boy.